Good morning. Uh, it's so good to see everybody uh, this morning. I, I'm so excited, and this could be a little selfish, but I'm so excited uh, to introduce uh, a man who is very, very special to me. So let me take you back some decades now to Kansas City Baptist Temple. And I was asked if I wanted to disciple a young man named Eliseo. And at that season in my ministry life, the word no was not a part of my vocabulary. So you just said yes to everything. I said yes. And after I said yes, they said, oh, by the way, <laughs> he just graduated from Bible college. And I'm like, it would have been nice to know that up front. <laughs> because I think I would have found the word no in my vocabulary all of a sudden. Because in my mind, I was thinking, okay, here we go. Here's a guy who just graduated from Bible college, so he's gonna wanna fight about the King James Bible. He's not gonna be teachable because he knows everything because he just graduated from Bible college. So he's gonna come kicking and screaming the whole way. So no, <laughs> I'm not doing it, find somebody else. I didn't say no. And let me just say to the glory of God and to Eliseo's credit, he was anything but that. He was faithful, he was humble, and he was teachable. I'll never forget the first conversation we had. He said to me, and it wasn't an arrogant statement. He said, I know the Bible, Kenny. What I don't know how to do is I don't know how to do ministry, and I don't know how to put all this together. So I'm hoping you can help me, something to that effect. And I thought, oh, well, well let's get it on. <laughs> let's go. And it was... Uh, for sure, the sweetest discipleship experience I've ever had. And I remember there were nights where he would even spend the night. I remember one night in particular, we went so late, we spent the night, and he was sleeping in my bed because I wanted to show him how we do this. I took a mattress and... No, oh, hang on, bro. I'm not done. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Come on, man. Bro, I'm going to, listen, trust me. I'm going to make this right. Just hang on. Come on, man. <laughs> so I gave him my bed. I took a mattress and put it on the floor, thinking at that point we can finally go to sleep. It's like 2, two in the morning, 2.30, something like that. We're still talking. I said, bro, I have to work tomorrow. You got to work tomorrow. We got to get some sleep. But it was just, and I'll say this, and I'll turn it over to him. Um, we get to lesson three on baptism. Here's a Bible college graduate, knows the Bible. Got baptized at four, age of four, at eight but really affirmed or confirmed his salvation at 12, right? So we're going through the lesson, and he realizes, oh, wait a minute. I have not been biblically baptized. And here it is. He's got friends who have graduated from Bible college who are in internships, even some full-time full -time ministry opportunities. And what's LSAO doing? He's humbling himself to get discipled, and he's being obedient to the Lord and here's a Bible college graduate standing in front of the Kansas City Baptist Temple submitting to biblical baptism. That's Eliseo Gomez. And let me just show you what God did with that. Can you bring that picture up? And this is glory to God. 
that this is not glory to Kenny Morgan or Pops, but as you can see, I was blessed to disciple Eliseo. You might know the guy standing next to him. It's one of your pastors, Pastor Andrew Ong, who wanted to come this morning to support Eliseo. And then Mankit, and it goes on and on and on, and there are some men who aren't in that photo. Uh, Andrew, we've, Andrew has fruit in Brazil, obviously Vietnam. You see the team here, the Vietnam team here to support their brother. So this is the heartbeat for discipleship. <laughs> this is what it's all about. And so I'm honored to introduce to you affectionately my little brother, Eliseo Gomez, Pastor Eliseo Gomez, missionary to Spain. Yep. Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm very uh, humbled by that introduction. <laughs> uh, it's a privilege for me to be here. Um, God has been so good that allowed me to um, plan this trip. Um, I really didn't know if it was going to happen, but uh, God is so good to us, isn't it? And when we, He knows what we need before we even know we need it, right? And so I needed to take a time uh, off and just come and refresh. And um, God really worked things out for me to be here in the States for three weeks. I was able to attend the Disciple Conf in Georgia and then come up here. And I just told Pastor Sam and some of the pastors, you know, I just want to come and, and just hang out, just reconnect and, and, uh, and just be with you, be ministered to. And I just I want to thank you all because just being here at your church, it's been awesome to see what God has been doing through the years. Last time I was here was 2018 for Mission Focus. And uh, man, just to see how uh, God is blessing, giving you fruit, it's, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, and it's a privilege for me to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. So let's just uh, dive right into it. We have a lot of things to cover. Uh, I'm going to ask you to please open your Bibles uh, to the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6, verses... 60 through 71. We're going to be reading these 11 verses of uh, John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71. And this is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be spending some time here. Like I said, there's a lot of things that we uh, want to see out of, this, out of these verses. So let's just read it, and then we'll just go to the Lord in prayer. Amen? Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said... This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What an if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back. And walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? 
Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have, have not I chosen you, twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, are, we come before you, Lord, humble. And Lord, we desperately need you to do a work in our hearts, Lord. Would you please take the words of this book? Would you take, please, these verses, Lord? And we'll just, just show um, what you have for each one of us this morning, Lord. We know that without you we can do nothing, Lord, and we desperately depend on you, Father. And as, as Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go, Father? There's nothing in this world that can satisfy our soul. There's nothing in this world that can give us, Lord, the life and the spirit that you've given us, Father. And I just pray that this morning you will have a free course in our lives and that you would take your word and apply it to our needs, Lord, to each one that's here this morning, Lord. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. The verses we just read, excuse me for a second, let me reset this. The verses we just read are a dialogue that happened between Jesus and his disciples. So if you've read the book of John, if you've read chapter 6, what you find here at the end is a dialogue, a conversation that happens between Jesus and his disciples. And this takes place in the city of Capernaum, actually in a synagogue. If you look at verse 59, which we did not read before, it says these things uh, said here in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So it's a dialogue that's happening between Jesus and his disciples. And the most immediate context starts in verse 22 uh, of this same chapter. If, so if you go back to verse 22, that, that whole all those verses are just that dialogue that Jesus is having with the disciples. And verse 22 says that they following, that they following. That says the context of what we just read. Okay, so this is the day following something. And, and what's before that, so the day before, what happened were two very special things. Jesus fed the 5,000. That was one of the miracles that he did. And it's narrated at the beginning of this chapter. And the second thing is that he walked on water. He, 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 he walked on the Sea of Galilee, right? So that happened that day. And the day following, this conversation is taking place in Capernaum as he taught in the synagogue. So that's the context of our verses this morning. Uh, the Gospel of John is the first gospel track ever written, if you didn't know that. The book was written to express, for the express purpose of producing faith in the lives of the people that would read it. And, and John says that very clearly in, in chapter 20, verse 30. Don't go there, just listen. It says, many other signs or miracles Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe. So what John does is he selects, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he selects seven signs, seven miracles that Jesus did throughout his life and ministry, and he constructs his book in such a way to show that he was who he said he was. He was the Christ. And the seven signs, the seven miracles will prove that. And so that's the purpose of the book. That's the context of what we are reading here. So 
Regarding the timeline of Jesus' earthly ministry, I'm just trying to set up the context because it's going to be important for what we are going to look this morning at. So regarding the timeline of Jesus' earthly ministry, this dialogue is happening during what sometimes is referred to as the Galilean ministry or the, or the, the time where he is up in the north in Galilee, ministering to the people there. And it is at the peak of his popularity in his ministry among the people. It is a time where his movement had gained momentum after a series of events and miracles that had taken place. And people are just flocking to see him, to hear him teach. And man, this thing is a movement and people are coming and disciples are growing and people are excited about him. But it is at this time, at this specific time, that he begins to preach in a, in, and teach in a way that was very harsh. And that for many, it was offensive. And that's the context of the verses that we're looking at. So now, we must remember that the Gospels are transitional books, right? So they make the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so what we are here looking at is at um, people who are under the law, right? They're under the Old Testament, but... The Messiah is there, present with them, right? So we have to understand it's a transitional time. So this is important to understand because this is, uh, includes the definition and understanding of, our, of what a disciple is, right? So we, we just got to keep those things straight that a, a disciple in the Gospels, in many ways, of, of course, is, is, is just like uh, there's many things that we can apply to us, but there's a difference because it's a different dispensation. Uh, so as long as we keep this in mind, we will be able to rightly divide the word and arrive to the correct personal applications for us today. So, let's talk about the personal applications for you and for me this morning. What is God saying to us through these verses to you and to me today here in Kansas City? In this dialogue that we just read, in these verses that we just read, God shows us that there are three kinds of disciples. Every so-called follower of Christ no matter where in the world today, even this morning, is one of these three kinds of disciple. And this morning, what I want to do is I will ask you to prayfully consider, as we look at the different characteristics of these three kinds of disciples, which kind are you? And that's my question for you this morning. And that's my question for us. That's my, quest that's my question for me today. What kind of disciple are we? So let's look at the first one. You have it already there. The first kind of disciple that we find here is a faithless disciple. Of course, I'm referring to the group of so-called disciples of Christ in this passage that they turn their backs and walk away from the Lord. But let's look at some of the marks of a faithless disciple. Number one, a faithless disciple is a, is a disciple that is offended by the word. He is offended by the word. Look at verses 60 and 61. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, the saying, what Jesus was teaching, said, this is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, at the saying, they said it's a hard saying, he said unto them, does this offend you? You know, the mark of a faithless disciple is someone who is offended by the word. Are you offended by the word of God? When the pastors teach you the word of God, did you get offended? You, well, you hear what he said? Did you get offended? A faithless disciple 
is a follower of Christ who gets offended by the teaching of the Word of God. And the problem of the faithless disciple, the reason they get offended, is that they don't love the Word. Oh, you can say all you want, but if you get offended when you hear the Word of God, if it is the Word of God, and you get offended, then there's a problem of love in your life towards the Word of God. Because the Bible says that great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. They did not love the Word of God. Listen, they did not love the person, the Word of God, Christ. They did not love the Word of God, the words that He was speaking to them. And that's why they got offended. Are you offended when some, somebody teaches you the Word of God? Now, and we're going to go rather quickly because we have to cover all of them. And secondly, he murmurs. A faithless disciple is a, is a disciple that murmurs. And of course, this is a natural consequence of the previous mark, right? When someone gets offended, what's the first thing they do? They try to find people to talk about it, right? To murmur, to murmur. A faithless disciple is a disciple that murmurs. Uh, I have a problem with this word. Murmur, murmur, I can't pronounce it very well, but to murmur means to grumble, to complain, to say anything against in a low tone. You know that that's what the English word comes from, really? To murmur is to That's murmur. People that are offended, what do they do? They start murmuring. And the, the Bible says here that the disciples murmured in verse 61. We read that it says they murmured at it. It being the words that he was speaking, the saying, the teaching. But then in verse 41, it says that they murmured at him, the Lord himself. Can you imagine? People are murmuring, talking trash, trash about Jesus. They're talking about, they're talking about, they're murmuring. And a faithless disciple is a disciple that murmurs. Do you know any murmurs? Do you listen when somebody comes to murmur? Are you a murmurer? Are you a complainer? Are you a grumbler? Are you a fault finder, a growler, a grouch? If so, you're a faithless disciple. Now be warned. Because God hates murmuring and deals with murmurs in a very serious way. Let me just give you an example. In Exodus chapter 16, when the nation of Israel is coming out of Egypt, they're going through the desert, the Lord is taking them to Mount Sinai, and they're complaining. They're murmuring because they don't have water, because they don't have food to eat. And in verse 7, it says, And the morning, when they, Moses is saying, And in the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he that heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses says, said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings. Your pastor may not hear it. The people in authority over you your murmuring against, they may not hear it, but the Lord heareth. What are we? Your murmurs are not against us, but against the Lord. So, you know, 
listen, listen. When you murmur against the authority that God has placed in your life, whether it be at home, whether it be at the local church, whether it be in government, when you murmur against the authority that God has placed upon your life, you're murmuring against, against God. And he hears your murmuring. Number three, a faithless disciple is focused on fleshly things. A, fle- a, 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 a faithless disciple is focused on fleshly things. You know, when a disciple doesn't get what he wants, he gets offended and starts, gets offended and starts murmuring. And fleshly things in this, in this regard is not necessarily things that are sinful. Look at verse 63. It says, and it is the spirit, this is Jesus speaking, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know what the problem was with the faithless disciples? They were so focused on earthly, fleshly things. They could not discern what Jesus was trying to teach them about himself because they were thinking and only looking at the earthly Fleshly things. See, they follow Jesus because of the benefits. They, had, they got a free meal the day before, right? They were still thinking of free bread. They were still thinking of on their bellies, filling up their bellies. And they, and, and, and they even, in the conversation, they talk about, oh, you know, our fathers, they were fed with manna. God gave them manna, free food, right? So, hey, that's why you're here for us, right? But the Lord cuts to the chase right away in verses 24 to 27. You can read it there yourself. But they come and say, hey, Lord, when, when did you come here? We, we, we left you there. There were no other boats to come across again back to, into the Sea of Galilee, to Capernaum. And, 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 you know, the following morning they're looking for him. And they're like, when did you come here? And the, and the Lord just looked at them and said, hey, you're here because you got a free meal yesterday. That's all you care about. So a faithless disciple is a disciple that is focused on fleshly things. That's why he cannot discern spiritual things. You know, in the conversation, we don't have time to read it, but they start talking about things that Jesus is, is teaching, and they don't understand to the point where even the Lord, rather than pausing and stopping to explain himself, he starts going harder at them. He's like, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no eternal life within you. And they're like, what? What are you just talking about? Because they're thinking about the flesh. He's saying, you need to believe in me. Trust me. I am the bread, the living bread that came from heaven. But they just don't get it because they're focused on fleshly things. What about you? What about you this morning? Number four. Number four. A faithless disciple sounds and looks spiritual, but doesn't believe. Oh, yeah, they got the talk down. They got the look down. But in reality, when push comes to shove, they don't trust God's word. Look at verse, look at verse 25, or, or, or verse 34, sorry. Then say they, this is that group of faithless disciples, unto him, Lord... Evermore, give us this bread. Right? Oh, wow. Before that, they had said unto him, um, show us the works of God. What's the work of God? Uh, verses, verse 28, then say unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Lord, we're here to follow you, right? 
But look, in verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And when he reveals that to them, then they say, ah, I don't know. And they start murmuring. Because a faithless disciple is a disciple that sounds spiritual, looks spiritual, but is not willing to submit to the word. You know, this happens to a lot of disciples. Um, they say they want to do God's will. They say they want to follow whatever God has for them. But then when finally God's, God reveals that to them, and it doesn't match with their life plan, they're like, oh, well, no. You know, actually, I think I'm like, I got my own plan, Lord. And the Lord says, well, I thought you wanted my, word, my, my will. I thought you wanted me to, to, to tell you what's my plan for your life. Right? But that's a faithless disciple. This disciple doesn't have faith. And you know what? We live in a world that's crazy. You know that, right? So we live in a world full of believing unbelievers and unbelieving believers. Isn't that crazy? Look, this world is full of believing unbelievers. That means lost people who believe in something. Just go out there. You find believing unbelievers, people who believe in a cause. Man, they give their lives to that cause, whether it be a political, racial, economic, whatever cause. They find a cause, and man, they believe in it, and they, they man, they, they go full out with their lives. They believe in it. And yet the tragedy is our churches are full of unbelieving believers. People who are saved, they've known Christ, they've trusted Christ for their eternity, right? But they're not willing to believe God in their financial uh, area of their lives, in relationship, in whatever other area of life it is. Because we're so focused on fleshly things. Do you just appear to be spiritual? Do you sound spiritual? Or are you the real deal? If God shows you his will for your life and his plan for you, are you willing to obey and trust him no matter what? Number five, number five, and we finish with this one. So a faithless disciple is offended by the word, murmurs, focuses on fleshly things, looks spiritual, but there's no reality in it. And lastly, is a disciple that no longer walks with Jesus. You know people like that. Oh, man, after COVID... You know, God used COVID to reveal, I believe, the hearts of many people, of many disciples. In verse 66, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. This verse says, many of his disciples. Do you hear that? Many. The vast majority left him right at the peak of his popularity. They just turned their backs and they just left. It's no coincidence that verse 66, <coughs> excuse me, talks about people turning their backs on Jesus. You know, it's chapter 6, verse 66. It's the spirit of Antichrist. 66, no, I know, I know, I know the verses came later. I know that, but look, look I know this is God's book. And I know he's, he's preserved his word for us. And look at this. The spirit of Antichrist, how can a person walk 
turn their back and just walk away from the greatest thing that's ever set a foot on this earth, God in the flesh, the Christ, the living Christ. So after walking with Jesus for some time, now they decide it is not worthy and go back to their old lives. Do you know people like that? What about you? Are you at this point in your walk with Christ? Let me just say something before we move on. He will allow you and me, all of his disciples, to come to this breaking point, to come to this point where you're going to have to make that decision. Is he worthy? No matter what, is he worthy going, pursuing, going after him? Or am I going to just turn my back and go back to my old life? So this is a faithless disciple. Let's look at the faithful disciple because there's another kind of disciple that we see in these verses. And that's the faithful disciple. So how are you doing so far? What kind of disciple are you? Let's look at the faithful disciple. The faithful disciple, obviously, we see it in the 12, right? Those who stay or decide to stay. And look at verse 68. Then, oh, well, 67, then Jesus said unto the 12, ye also, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, Lord, Lord. The first mark of a faithful disciple is that he is submitted to the Lordship of Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. So Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? A faithful disciple understand who is Lord, who runs his life, who runs your life, who makes the ultimate decisions, you or someone else. Notice that the faithless disciples also use the word Lord, but would not submit to it. In verse 34, they also call him Lord, said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. But then when he revealed his word and his will to them, they would not submit to it. So, if you want to be faithful disciples, we want to make sure that we are submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Is Christ really your Lord this morning? Number two, we have to run because we run out of time. So, the second mark of a faithful disciple is that he desires the Word. He has a desire for the Word. So not only he's not offended by the word, but rather he understands the value of the word, right? The person, the word, and what his, or the written word. Because Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. <coughs> so a, a, a faithful disciple has a desire for the word of God. And because of this, he desires the word more than anything. He knows that the word can quicken him, can give him life. So Jesus spoke of power and life in verses, in verses, um, in verse 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Look, this book right here is alive. This book right here is life and it's a spirit. It's not like any other book. It is like other books in the sense that it has words, it has sentences, right? But it's not like any other book because it's God's book. And, 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 and it should 
producing us a desire for the word, for the word of God. Because in, in it, we find the living word, Amen. the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you grown to love this book so much that you have structured your life in such a way that it is shown in your everyday life routines? Okay, so we say we love the word. Okay, have you, have I grown in my love for this book that we have a structure, we have adjusted our life so that it is shown in our everyday priorities? If you have teaching responsibilities, if you're discipling someone, if you're teaching a Bible study, can people see your, listen, listen, not your knowledge, your love for the book, your, your passion for the book, for encountering God in the pages of this book and just letting him speak to you, spirit and life, so you can, we, we can do ministry. Number three, a faithful disciple is a disciple that understands who Christ is. Because Peter says, Peter says in verse 69, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ. Which Christ? That Messiah. That Christ, the Son of the living God. See, they have spiritual understanding. They know and they see Christ for who he really is. The problem is that sometimes we don't see who Christ is. Because we don't have spiritual understanding. But a faithful disciple understands clearly who Christ is. And that's why his life is changed completely. Everything. There's no decision made without knowing what God's will for his life is. So Peter said, to whom, Lord, shall we go? You are God in the flesh. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, notice how the faithless disciples were offended because they could not discern what Jesus was talking about. You know, we talked about the eating his flesh and drinking his blood. It's, it's, it's not something literally, right? He was talking about spiritually, uh, believing in him. Notice that in the conversation, and we don't have time to do it. I, I challenge you to do it later today. Uh, but uh, how the conversation uh, um, goes in these verses because Jesus does not stop one time to clarify what he's saying. He just keeps teaching. And the more they get offended, the more harsh or graphic he becomes. Isn't that amazing? Because sometimes, oh, no, no, wait, wait. Well, let me explain myself. Oh, look, you know, hey, you need to believe in me. I am the life that came from, the, the bread that came from heaven. So, but a faithful disciple was able to discern, the 12 were able to discern that he was talking about him being the Christ and the need for us to believe on him. So a faithful disciple is submitted to the Lordship of Christ, has a desire for the word, and understands who Christ really is. It's not just a rabbi. It's not just a teacher. It's not just one of options, of many options that I have. He's everything. He's everything. I cannot do anything else after meeting him. I mean, how can I? He's changed my life. Everything, my work, my family, my priorities, everything. He is the Christ. Lastly, a faithful disciple is a disciple 
the walks with Jesus despite others. And this is so fitting for us. Because today, again, and, and, and it's happened to us in Spain, I'm sure the more I travel and talk to people here in the States, it's happened to many churches here as well. They've lost people, people who said they were disciples and, you know, believers in the Lord, and they turned their backs, and now they're nowhere to be found. Even people who are leaders teaching the Word of God, they seem so spiritual, and, and, and they were, you know, doing ministry and involved in doing things, and all of a sudden, they're missing in action, man. You don't know where they are. So what are you going to do? When the great majority turns their back on Jesus, would you walk with him despite others? Now, notice how Jesus says, look, look at this, verse 66, let's read it again. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now, again, picture, picture what's happening. They're in a synagogue, right? They're in Capernaum, but in the synagogue. So they're not outside. No, no, they're in the synagogue. It's full, it's packed, that synagogue, with disciples of Jesus, right? And so there's having this interchange, this dialogue, and these people have already decided, whoa, whoa. This guy, I mean, he's crazy. I mean, why look at him? And they, they just get up and go. And now Jesus turns to the 12. And if it would have been you and me, we would have said, hey, guys, but, but we're cool, right? You're, you're staying, right? I mean, we're, right? You're, you're sticking in, right? You're sticking with me. No, man. He turned to them and said, hey, what are you going to do? There's the door. People already left. The great majority left. What are you going to do? He showed them the door. Wow. He loves us, you know. But he's trying to help us understand what's on our hearts. And you have to make a decision. What are you going to do? A faithful disciple walks with Christ despite others. Sooner or later, sooner or later, brother and sister in Christ this morning, sooner or later, the Lord will orchestrate events in your life in such a way as to take you to that point. Do you understand that? Yes. And, and I don't have time to share testimonies, but look, look. God will allow things to happen in your life. It will orchestrate events and things to take you to this point. It's a point of no return. And sooner or later, you will face that point. It's a point where you have to decide it is over or nothing. Now, I don't have time, and, but you know, this corresponds to stage number five of discipleship, right? Christ is a consecration. It is now all in, 100%, or I'm staying back, right? So if you look at 2 Peter chapter 1, that seven things that we had to add to our faith, this is godliness. Because a person who goes and perseveres in following the Lord, after that crisis comes into their life, then they develop godliness in their lives. So what will you do when everyone else, or the great majority, will turn their backs on Jesus? Just know that if you have not come to that point, that point in your life, it will come. Just be prepared for it. So, we got one more kind of disciples. So, three kinds, right? Faithless, faithful, faithless. Don't have faith. That's why they're faithless. They're disciples, but they, don't, they lack faith. 
faithful, full of faith. But there is one more. And yes, we have to look at this too. Because the third kind of any so-called follower of Christ is a false disciple. Oh, and he said, well, you wouldn't believe in a church like this that talks about discipleship, man, has teaching of the word of God. You will have false disciples. All I know is what the Bible says. And even here, you can see a false disciple. Because it says, then Jesus said unto the 12, will you notice how it says the 12, the 12, that group, the 12, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? That has the words of eternal life. I don't know who appointed him, the speaker of the group. Of, I don't know if he just had a big mouth, but he was the one that answered. And then Jesus answered them. Notice how verse 7, he says, Jesus answered them. It doesn't say he answered him, Peter. He answered them again, right? He's addressing the group. Have not I chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil. So the first thing, the first mark of a false disciple is that he has not been transformed by Christ. Oh, he's a disciple. He's there. Look, he makes the cut, right? I mean, the great majority live, and he's part of the 12. He's there. But Jesus know, knows he's not. He's not a real disciple. He says, one of you is a devil. He didn't say, one of you is the devil. He says, it's a devil. Because see, his nature, his, he had not been transformed by Christ, even though he was following Christ. The Bible teaches that, that where they are faithful disciples, there will always be false disciples. Where there is wheat, there is also tares. Where there are sheep, there are also wolves in sheep's clothing. So which one are you? Wheat or tare? Sheep or wolf? Faithful or false have you been transformed by the Lord? Listen, just yesterday I was talking to a person who was going through discipleship. And in the midst of discipleship, he, 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 he understood that he wasn't saved. He hadn't come to that point of, of being transformed by Christ. So let's run because we run out of time. Number two, a false disciple passes as a faithful disciple. He was considered one of the twelve, Right? He was always counted as part of the 12. Now consider, the people consider him, the disciples, so faithful that they had entrusted him the purse, the money. He was a treasurer, right? Oh, hey, Judas had a, had, a, had a reputation. People thought very highly of him. However, the Lord and him only, listen, listen, we read in here, Many years, many years later, John writes this, but when these events are taking place, the only two people that know that Judas is not the real thing is Judas himself and the Lord. And you know what? The Lord did not reveal it. He did say, one of you is a devil, but he didn't say who was. Right? Because I, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know, Peter would have punched him in the face or something. You know, I, I don't know. But, but so when John is writing here, he's, he's reflecting back. But at this point, everybody thinks that 12 men, we're all in. We're all faithful disciples. But there is a false disciple that looks real, right? But has a double life. 
Because lastly, what we see of a false disciple, and I'm not, I'm not here to say who is, who, is, who is a faithful disciple and who is a false disciple, but look, 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 this is what God does. The false disciple is manifested only at the end because the 12 did not learn, or the 11 did not learn that he was a false disciple until the very end. And I believe that the Lord in his mercy, he was giving him time to repent. So, when you, when you read, and, I, and I'm, I'm finishing with this, when you read um, the Last Supper, when they're supping together, right? They're having that Last Supper together. I'll just read it to you. It says, Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat and said, Verily I say unto you, The one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Eleven times. And you know why I know that? Because the next verse says, And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray him. What a lot of people don't understand is that with the Passover, right? The man, the head of the house that was, that was presiding, right? The, 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 the dinner, he would break off a piece of bread, uh, dip it, and then give it to each one of the person that was on the table. And as he was doing that, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And he gives it to the first one. He said, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Verse 24 says, the son of man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto the man of whom or by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said it. See, for Judas, Jesus was never his Lord, only his master, his teacher, his rabbi. Knowing our Lord, listen, listen, knowing our Lord, and I know we're out of time, we can safely say that Judas, that if Judas would have run to the cross and asked for forgiveness, the Lord would have forgiven him. Don't you believe it? But Judas ran to the wrong tree. Rather than running towards the cross and just, just humbling himself and asking for mercy and forgiveness, Lord, what a tragedy. I spent three and a half years with you. I saw your miracles. I saw how you dealt with people. I saw your heart. I, I, I've been with you. I've been walking with you. And I have not been transformed by you. Oh, don't you think that happens in churches? Don't you think that happens in this church? His problem was pride. He was not able or he was not willing to humble himself before all and before the Lord and cry out to the Lord for help. So, let me finish here. So, what kind of disciple are you? Are you a false disciple? I mean, have you not been transformed by the Lord? Maybe you think you have a reputation to keep. Look, it's better to humble yourself than spend eternity in hell. Don't you think? So if you need to make that decision today, that's what God is asking you to do. But if you are a faithful disciple, just want to encourage you to persevere. And just know this. At times, we can become faithless. Because even though Peter makes the cut here, right? 
oh, he, he, he's, man, he's, he's all in. Later on, he's going to deny the Lord and become faithless, right? So just be encouraged and persevere. And if you are a faithless disciple, would you, would you today be full of faith and allow the Lord to fill you with his word? Would you trust him to become a faithful disciple?